Hello and welcome to episode three of the Wizards podcast with Greg Finberg. Today we're going to be talking about all things Wizards Media Day. I was lucky enough to cover it on the ground for Bolts Forever at Capital One Arena. Got to meet a lot of the players, a lot of the media. Uh, I want to shout out Marco for real quick from Bolts Forever, who's really helpful. Great guy. Make sure to go follow him on Twitter, read his stuff at Marco Gacina, I believe, G-A-C-I-N-A. Um, he was awesome. You know, it, it was just really fun to to be there and, and cover it. I got a lot of good quotes um, that I, I feel like a lot of Wizards fans loved. You know, the pool quote, you know, his green light is his green is D.C. You know, Kuz talking about leadership. Um, Tyus Jones talking about being the starting point guard. You know, we got a lot of good insight into what this team is and what this team could be this year um, in terms of expectations, in terms of starting lineups, in terms of, you know, what roles guys are going to play and, and much more. So we'll, we'll break that down as we get further into the episode. Uh, we'll also talk about the big news broken by Ava Wallace uh, from the Washington Post, who on, I believe, Monday uh, wrote an article saying that Wes Unsell Jr. is returning, not only for this year, but for the following year, 2024-25, as Wizards head coach, uh, being that the team has picked up his option reportedly. So that is is definitely something I want to I want to touch on. It was a very polarizing day for Wizards um, Twitter. You know, a lot of people, most of the people, not happy with this decision, which I can understand, and I can also understand the people that are optimistic that this decision is aiming aimed towards a more futuristic outlook of the team. So we'll get through all of that. Obviously, we'll have the trivia question at the end. Uh, you guys actually killed it with the last trivia question. Um, so, you know, I have that all at the end, but let's just, you know, let's get right into to media day. So, you know, as I said, I was lucky enough to go there, able to ask these a lot of questions to the players. Uh, and and here's just a couple of my takeaways, and I'll, I'll name each takeaway and I'll go through and explain my rationale behind it. The team chemistry is great. Players seem to be getting along very well. They seem to all be in high spirits and coming into most media days, everyone's going to say that, but you know, there's always underlying storylines, you know, last season, will Brad work with KP? Is Brad going to get traded at the deadline? Does Brad really want to be here? Brad signed a Supermax contract. Is he overpaid? You have, you know, role players uh, like Danny and Corey are trying to find their roles. Are they going to be here? Rui Hachimura rumored to be possibly on the trade block if they can't reach an extension. There's all of these things that enter a lot of camps, all this baggage, and and this team doesn't seem to have it. It just it looks like a, a bunch of guys that just want to compete, want to prove themselves, want to win, want to grow as players, want to develop, and that's that's what a young team needs. They need that hunger, they need that energy, they need that want to from the players to to just strive to get better. Kuz mentioned a lot, uh, even Poole mentioned. The guys have been here since September 5th. They've been in market, meaning in D.C., in the area, since September 5th, going to the facility, working out, you know, hanging out with each other, building that chemistry. And and Kuz mentioned that, that that's something that's rare. Last year, most guys, he said, weren't even back until late September, early October, even around media day. Uh, so the fact that everyone's here, they're bonding, they're building that the rapport with each other, you know, that, that makes me as a fan happy um and it should make you happy as well because as we've seen in 2021 with the whole Montrez, KCP, Coos, Dan Witty dilemma, um we don't want that locker room drama to pull down what could be 
you know, a fun team. That team started 10 and 3 in 2021, and then all hell broke loose. There was locker room beef, locker room fights, and and that's the result of having poor chemistry. So hopefully this is something that they can build on for the season. Poole and Kuz emerging as leaders was very prevalent to me. Kuz mentioned he's trying to to take that step as a leader. He knows that it's not just about him being one of the best players on the team. But it's about him leading by example. He basically said, look, I'm not going to do anything or I'm not going to tell you to do anything that I wouldn't do first. So I need to, you know, lead from the front and do my best. He said, quote, just being myself, being who I always am. When you try to act out of character, it's a little bit of a turnoff. Just come in and boss my butt, lead by example, talk when I see things, end quote. He's basically saying, look, I'm going to come in here and I'm going to work the hardest that I, I possibly can. And being one of the best players on the team, everyone's going to, you know, try to match me, try to be as good as me, try to, you know, copy my work ethic, you know, the drills I'm doing, all that kind of stuff. So that's awesome to see. And then you move on to a guy like Poole, who who knows, you know, what it takes to win a championship. He knows the leadership that he he saw with Steph, um, with Clay in, in Golden State. And him and Kuz have emerged as leaders. You know, we I'll get I'll get to more of this later. This is one of my favorite parts. But you know, Bilal mentioning that Pool took him under his wing, um, essentially moving his nameplate um and his locker next to Jordan's, uh, just so they can be closer, so Bilal can keep asking questions, so they can get close, uh, you know, bond a little more. You know, Bilal's only nineteen years old; he's still learning. Pool's not a vet either; he's only twenty four. But for him to take him under his wing and show that leadership, you know, it's really cool to see. Uh, and and you know. The next thing, Denny and Johnny, look, both of these guys have struggled. It's not, there's no question about it. No one's denying that. And and especially struggled from the three-point line. And Denny came into media day. He got a question first about his contract extension. He brushed it aside, which I figured he would. You know, didn't really put much on that. Basically said, look, I'm going to be Denny. I'm going to be me. I'm going to keep working out, doing my thing, trying to get better. If it happens where I stay in D.C., I love it. He said he loves the city. But he's he's not thinking about it now, which is great. You know, we could see typically some people hold out more probably than the NFL than the NBA. But you know, a lot of guys might not come to training camp because they think they deserve that contract and they don't want to risk getting injured. Danny knows. Look, I have a lot to prove. I know that I still have work to do. I can still make myself more money. And he's going to put his head down and work. And that's exactly what you want to hear. But he came into media day. He was asked what he did this off season, and he said, "You know what?" I, I really want to improve my shooting percentage. You know, he said, I want to be a more efficient, more efficient shooter behind the arc. Basically, he knows shooting is his biggest issue. He knows defenses sag off of him. It hurts the offense as a whole. And that's something that he really needs to to focus on and, and to work on. And I feel confident that, you know, he put the work in the summer and, and hopefully it translates to the game. Same thing goes for Johnny. You know, Johnny was asked, what did you work on this offseason? He said everything, which I love, because, look, you could be naive. You know, you could just sit there and say, you know what, I'm fine. I just need to work on my shooting and maybe my dribbling and I'll be okay. He knows, look, I had a really bad rookie season. I struggled a lot and I need to improve in not just one aspect, but in all aspects of my game. And and he really put his head down and, and worked out this offseason. So, again, same thing with Danny. It's never a question of work ethic with these guys. We know they're trying their best and putting in the work. It's just a matter of having that work translate into real games and real minutes and real roles and opportunities. 
Uh, and hopefully we start to see that as the season goes on. The fourth thing I, I liked and that I took away is I asked Bilal, what position do you play? You know, early on in the draft process, I had seen a lot of people uh, scouting him as a, a point guard. Uh, you know, his ability to bring the ball up, distribute, might have not been at the level it should have been, but he just has all the tools to to play guard in this league. Uh, same thing goes for shooting guard. He's six six, so he's not like unbelievably tall, but he's not like six one where he's really small and forced to play guard. So he's kind of in that in between area, and him being pretty thin. Uh, hinders his um, ability to play like a bigger position like the four. So in terms of positioning, no one really knows where he's going to fit. And I asked him below, what position do you play? Do you play point guard? Do you play shooting guard? Do you play small forward? Do you play all three? And his answer was all three. He knows that West is going to utilize him in a multitude of ways, um, whether that be bringing the ball up, distributing it, whether that be, you know, playing more on the wing as a two or a three, playing defense against a bunch of bigger threes, sometimes smaller guards. I just think the positional versatility is huge, especially in today's league. And for our rookie to be able to play so many positions, uh, it, it can only help us and it can only help a lot see the court more, which is what we want. Look, uh, and this is this is a side topic, a little side rant, but I, I saw that, uh, shout out Bijan Todd from um, NBC Sports Washington, who got the quote from Wes saying, Bilal is going to spend some time in the G League and then come up with the NBA, kind of similar to what Johnny did. And I mean, this, I mean, if you saw it, it was like the the ratio of quote tweets to likes on that, that just means that people are annoyed with what Wes said. Um, they have a lot of strong opinions on it. And rightfully so. Look, you drafted this guy seventh. You traded up to get him. You're in the midst of a rebuild. You're not going to win the championship. For you to play your seventh overall pick in the G League this season, instead of giving him as many minutes as possible in the NBA is something most Wizards fans just can't even fathom and something that I don't agree with. I think that Bilal is ready. He's good enough to play in the NBA. And I think he would be wasting time for him to just keep getting reps against lesser competition in the G League. I'm not saying the G League is a bad league. We saw, we see guys all the time go down to the G League and then come back up and, and be really good NBA players. That being said, I am not going to play my seventh overall pick less minutes than I'm going to play a guy like Anthony Gill, you know, a guy like uh, Xavier Cooks, you know, guys that won't be here for the future, just so that those guys can can play out their contracts here. That's not what I'm going to do. I think Bilal needs, I don't think he needs to start, but I think he needs to see real playing time in the NBA. There, there, there shouldn't even be a debate at this point. It's annoying that we have to have this debate, but at the end of the day, you need to be playing your seventh overall pick NBA minutes, not G League minutes. Uh, one of the final takeaways, the pace is going to be much faster. This is something that I harped on all last season. We we seem to get the ball, we would run for a second, and then we'd slow it down and play half court. Especially, It was especially annoying because our, our half court offense was pretty stagnant at times especially when guys like KP and Brad miss, miss some games. Like you, you didn't have enough offensive firepower on that end to be a really good for uh half court team, especially good enough to not be running in transition as much as possible. I think the wizards ranked at one point 29th or 28th for a while last year in pace. 
um, meaning that they were one of the worst teams in terms of uh, transition buckets scored per game. That can't happen. The NBA is getting faster. You're a young team. There should be no reason for you to not be pushing the pace at every chance you get. Uh, and Kuz, Kuz, you know, talked about this at the at the the media day. He was asked, you know, Wes said that you guys are going to play a lot faster. How much faster is that? He said, much, much faster. We're going to get up and down fast, which is music to my ears because playing fast, especially for a young team, opens up so many opportunities, especially for a fan. it's It just makes the, the game so much more fun. You're getting out in transition. You're throwing lobs. You know, you're you're getting highlight real plays. It's just a much faster pace. It's not like the old Spurs games where they're going to lull you to sleep in the half court and post up like we did with KP and that slow, methodical offense. Not only is that not fun to watch, but it's just getting old in today's NBA. Not many people are relying solely on half court offense. Any chance that you get to run in transition, I think we should take. And, and I'm glad that we have seen that and, and we're putting in the work to improve that. So that that is my my final my final takeaway in terms of, you know, what I saw at the media session. A couple of other things to note. Danilo Gallinari mentioned he's going to play a lot of the five, a lot of center. You know, Gallinari is is not small. He's close to seven foot. I, I think he's around six, eight, six, nine. So he's kind of in that middle of the pack area. Uh, but he can he can shoot. And the fact that he's going to play the five, he can stretch the floor. Same thing goes for Muscala, who will play the five. That opens up so many more opportunities for guys like Poole, Kuz to get downhill, to get to the bucket, because that guy isn't just lurking in the paint. You know, last season, KP was the stretch five, and he was able to stretch the floor. And that opened up so many more driving lanes for a guy like Brad, uh, you know, guys like Kuz, because the lane isn't always clogged with a guy like Rudy Gobert, who is not going to threaten you anywhere outside of the restricted area. So having that with the second unit is going to be, it's going to be great because it's going to open up a lot more opportunities, a lot more driving lanes. So I'm excited to see Gallup playing small ball five. Um, and, and the last thing is Corey. Corey seemed very refreshed. You know, he's excited to enter a new season. The last two seasons, his rookie year got off to a really slow start and his, his sophomore year last season, he had an ankle injury in the Japan game. So he had to miss the first, you know, eight to 10 games. And then he took off. He shot 44% from three. He was one of the better wizards for the entire season. I'd say probably the most consistent wizard all season. Uh, and, and you know, he, he really established himself as a knockdown shooter in this league. Someone that you need to be setting screens and you need to make it a point to get him open. Because when he's open, he's not going to miss. And... Corey made it a point that he wants to come out of the gates and start fast, take off right where he left off last season. And I, I'm excited to see that. He also mentioned one thing that I loved. He said, I'm tired of getting taken out of the games for, for defensive purposes. Those offensive defensive swaps where I come in for, to the game for offense and then maybe free throw shooting and then they swap me out for defense at the end. I don't want that. You know, it just, it just highlights the fact that I can't hold my own on defense he wants to be a good enough defender to where you're not taking him out at the end of the games. He's, he's, you know, he's holding his own. He's defending his man. He's not a liability anymore. And for a player like that, who could have just easily sat back and said, look, I'm going to shoot like Davis did. I'm just going to shoot. And I, I might not be a good defender, but take it or leave it. Um, he, he knows what he has to improve on. He's working on it. And that's a theme I saw a lot. These guys know what they have to improve on and, and they're making it a point of emphasis to, 
to not only fix that issue, but to get good, to get generally good at that skill that they're lacking. You know, that's something that I, I really, I really enjoyed about, about Corey and about team as a whole in terms of media day. So those are a couple of things that I enjoyed from my, my time there at media day. Um, obviously just want to say um, the staff there was very friendly. Uh, I got to meet a lot of the people, Josh Robbins from the athletic chase Hughes, Neil DeLove, Hoop District, uh, Marco from Bolts Forever, I mentioned. Um, just a lot of really nice guys there over at um, Capital One Arena. So just want to shout them out. Hopefully I'm, I'm there for, for the home opener and I'm there to cover a lot of more games. I had to try not to freak out because I, obviously I'm a huge fan. Like, you know, I have a job to do and everything, but, you know, I'm still going to be a fan. I'm not going to let that, like, fall behind just because I'm, I'm finally getting to do more of these things in terms of being on the ground. But, you know, I mean, the, 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 the head lounge that we were in was really cool um, in terms of the media. And then I, I literally turned to my left and I was on the court, which was awesome. So, you know, hopefully I get to experience that a little more. And it's great because I get to share it with a bunch of you guys that have been following me for a while that have helped me get to where I am, you know, today. Um, so hopefully I can bring a lot more exclusive Wizards content um, a lot more, you know, one-on-one -on -one interviews, hopefully, you know, just behind the scenes from not only the press conferences after the game, getting quotes, but, you know, from on the court, you know, videos, pre-game, post-game, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, hopefully that's in the, the works for the future. Getting back to the next topic, Wes Onsolo Jr. is returning for this third season, but the Wizards have picked up his fourth-year option for the 2024-2025 season. Uh, according to Ava Wallace of the Washington Post. So what does this mean? Essentially, Wes is back this season. The Wizards didn't have to, they didn't have to guarantee his job would be, would be there for the following season, but they did. And I'm sure you're thinking, why would they do this? This is a guy that's 70 and 94 through two seasons with the Wizards. Granted, he didn't have the best of teams, the best of rosters, but at the end of the day, he had rosters that were good enough to be five to seven wins better and be in the thick of that playing race, maybe towards the, you know, six or seven seed of the playoffs. And and he he didn't do that. And that could be directly attributed to a lot of, you know, critical mistakes late in games. Look, if the Wizards don't go all those 20 point leads in a row, they keep that, that, that win streak alive. You know, you never know what could happen. The Wizards don't get out to all of these, uh, you know, good starts in terms of Wes's game plan, getting 5, 10, 12 point leads in the first quarter and then are tied or losing before halftime. It's a lot of these like critical mistakes or, you know, lapses of focus in games that that could be the difference between a 41, 42 win season and a 33, 34, 35 win season. And I wouldn't call it I wouldn't ultimately say that it all falls on Wes, the coach. But a lot of it does. And for Michael Winger and Will Dawkins to come in here and look at that record, look at the way we've lost these last two seasons, and to still sit there and, and guarantee him his contract for the following season without even seeing him coach a game for this new team, it it shows, you know, it shows a a plan is in place. And that's the optimistic viewpoint. Look, these guys don't want a lame duck coach coming in here, coaching this year, and then looking over his shoulder every single time they lose. You know, that would lead to a lot of issues. Number one, he's going to start playing guys like 
Shamit, guys like Gallinari, Muscala, um, Gill, Cooks, all of these vets over guys like Johnny Davis, over guys like Bilal, Ryan Rollins, Patrick Bowman Jr., because these guys are better and they're going to help him now. Because ultimately, this guy's coaching to save his job, if not for them picking up his option. He knows that, look, if I don't do a good job this season, I could lose this this opportunity and it might be the only time I get an opportunity to be a head coach. The fact that they guaranteed his contract and put that much confidence in him you know, ensures that Wes can take a long-term approach as well. It wouldn't have been good if we had the guys at, at the top, you know, preaching patience and preaching player development while they had a coach that was focusing on the now, trying to win in order to not only save his job, you know, but to try to, you know, prove himself even more as a head coach. Now he just has to sit back and say, look, I'm here for this year. I'm here for next year. These guys have confidence in me. My job here is to develop talent. It's to play the guys that I think I should be playing in terms of future and guys that Will and Michael think that we should be playing to develop. Um, and, and hopefully we build we build good habits this season. Hopefully we develop talent this season. And hopefully Wes improves as a coach this season. The the people that that are saying, you know, I still don't think Wes deserved to have his option picked up. I think he could have still coached this season the right way, being patient, playing the guys that should be played um, without, you know, ensuring him be back for the next season. I totally understand that. I, I understood it back in, you know, back in June, when all of this was happening, all the people that were saying fire Wes, all the people that were fed up with the lack of success, with the bloat leads, you know, with the, lack of adjustments in games. All these things are reasonable and they're all things that I also agree with. But I am more inclined to trust Will Dawkins, to trust Michael Winger here because I don't want Wes playing older 30-year-old guys that won't be here for the future over people like Bilal, over people like Johnny. And I think Bilal and Johnny have more of a chance to play. Even guys like Rollins and Baldwin Jr. have a chance to play if Wes isn't consistently looking over his shoulder, trying to make sure he's winning games to save his job. That's just my two cents on the West on the West thing. And look, these next two seasons aren't going to be great seasons anyway. If at the end we don't think he's the right man for the job, we don't think he's done it well enough in terms of you know his philosophy, his game plans, his adjustments, then he he's gone. And you're not necessarily trying to win the championship these next few years anyway. So is it really that that bad of a thing if he if he doesn't do well? You know, look, I'm I'm obviously rooting for West to be the coach that we all thought he would be, an offensive-minded head coach, play great defense, turn that into offense, play fast. But I haven't seen it. And I have two years to to see it. So I will be looking for it. Hopefully he turns the page here and hopefully He's the coach that leads us through this rebuild and into the playoffs. So, yeah, Wes Antonio Jr. will be back for a fourth season, at least. This will be his third, but he will be back for a fourth season as Wizards head coach. A couple of other notes. Um, these were my three favorite moments from, from Media Day. The first being Kuz. He, he mentioned, this is a quote, you know, we want to win the right way. We want to lose the right way. Basically saying, you look... We want to be building good habits in the process. We know this is going to take some time. We know that we're not necessarily going to win right away. But when we lose, we want to make sure that, you know, we are 
playing the right way in these losses that we are not losing because we're chalking up, you know, 53s a game and we're taking bad shots. We want to lose by, you know, we played a really tough game. We moved the ball. We played in transition. We played good defense. But look, at the end of the day, you know, we just didn't have enough talent to get it done. That that an example of a, a good loss to me would be, you know, you play a team like Philly, you play a team like Denver, and, and you know, you go out and, and show up and, and play your style of basketball. And look, you know, Embiid's going to dominate. Jokic is going to dominate. They're going to get their points. Their teams are better than ours, and we might lose. But if we're playing the right way, is it is it that big of a deal that, you know, we're not winning as many games as we should? It's not as big of a deal as it would have been last season when our expectations were to make the playoffs. That's what he's saying. And he's saying the same thing in wins. We want to make sure when we're winning, you know, we are still playing the right way. We're getting good shots. We're moving the ball. We're playing really good defense, getting out in transition. All of these things that build good habits, that develop talent, that are you know going to be needed in the future when you're trying to win championships, you want to start building them from the ground up. That's how you build a winning culture. That's how you build good habits. And, and that's just what Kuz wants to do. And, and that, that made me happy to hear him say. Uh, the second thing is, is Bilal. Mentioning, you know, Neil DeLaw asked Bilal, have you had any mentors, any guys take you under your wing? Bilal mentioned Anthony Gill, of course. Gill being one of the most well-liked people in that entire locker room, maybe the most well-liked person. As someone who's just with him every day, in the gym with him, showing him what to do, you know, telling him about, you know, food recommendations, just being, you know, a friend, being a mentor for Bilal. And then you mentioned Jordan Poole. You mentioned that Poole had taken his nameplate from the locker that Bilal had and moved it next to his locker. Basically meaning that Bilal now has a locker next to Jordan Poole. Jordan Poole is now his mentor. He's been working out with him. He's been, you know, pushing him, showing him the ropes, doing all the things that you want your best players to do. And for him to to say that about Poole and, and for Poole to go out and do that on his own, it, it not only shows Poole's character, but it shows that you know, we have the right guys to start building something here. We have, you know, championship level guys and Kuz and Poole at the front, our most talented players that know how it, what it takes to win a championship, uh, know what it takes to build team chemistry to, you know, really establish yourself as as the guy that people look at to lead, um, to lead the rest of the team. And, and I'm excited to see what they do in that elevated role. My final thing that I like, the third thing, is is Johnny Davis's presser. He seemed much more relaxed. He actually looked a little bigger, a little mu- more muscular than he did last season. Um, but he just, he seemed more calm. He, he mentioned, he said, it feels like a 25-pound weight has been lifted off my shoulders. You know, coming into, net, coming into his second season, he knows that he has a lot to prove. There's been bus labels for the last year, honestly. Uh, people thought that we took him too high. And, and right now, those people are right. And and Johnny Johnny knows that Johnny knows that he did not do do well in his rookie season, and he's a lot to improve on. Uh, Neil DeLaw asked him, you know, Johnny, what did you work on this off season to improve your game? He said everything, everything. He worked on every aspect of his game: shooting, dribbling, passing, you know, watching film, playing defense, moving his feet. He knows that there's there's not any specific area that he was bad in. He was he was just bad overall. And it's, you know, it takes a lot. It takes a lot of maturity to just sit up there and admit, look, I was bad and I had to work on everything. And, you know, I'm going to come back this season. 
uh, and hopefully apply that work into games. So that was nice to hear from Johnny. He seemed a lot more refreshed, and hopefully he gets the playing time he needs to really work on his craft and and you know find his groove and his role in this league. That's my full recap for media day. Uh, you know, I had a, a great time there. You know, a lot of cool interactions with the players. You know, I got a really good vibe about the team. Just, you know, genuinely, they like each other. They're ready. They think this team's going to be fun. They're excited. You know, they love that the expectations are against them. People mocking them to win only 23, 24 games this season, which I think is way too low. But they're ready to to just, you know, set out and play and, and figure it out as they go. Keep building good habits. And, and they're going to be a fun team. And I'm excited to watch it uh, opening night, I think, is the 25th. So we got like 20 days, about three weeks. It's getting close. So I'm very excited for it. The trivia question for today. Um, this isn't, I want to say this is very difficult, but, you know, I made it a little more difficult than my first two because, look, my first two were really easy. Uh, everyone got them. So the trivia question for today is name the five players with the most rebounds in Wizards slash Bullets history. I don't need it to be in order from one to five. I just need five names. Um, the five people with the most total rebounds in Wizards slash Bullets franchise history. I'll give you a hint. Um, the, head the head coach's dad is definitely on that list. Just saying. Uh, yeah, that's the that's a trivia question. And then the the last trivia question was so easy that I have so many so many shout outs. So uh, this is going to be the end of the episode. If you want to stick around for the shout outs, of course, if not, you know, feel free to, to leave. I appreciate you you for coming on, but I'll start here. Uh, Preston, Evernham, NBA Mar, Hoops with Jay, Dwayne, Ethan Heyman, Diego Santana, RP Christ, Owan, Aaron Martin, John Tortorelli, Champ Saunders, Jerry, Joel, Go Joel Goldstein, Nato Jacobs, Jack Teliendo, Gaff Enthusiast, Izzy, Policarpio, Red Wolves, Nat, Dorgan, Dante, B4L Sports, Wizards Nation, at Was Wizards, not the real Wizards, but another account, Dotson Season, Sports and Law Fan, Big underscore Twone, Kerwin Jr., AJ, and Dave Spector. Appreciate you guys for answering the trivia question. Um, I'll post a tweet with the new trivia question in a bit. Um, but again, appreciate you guys for listening. Uh, hopefully I'll have a pod up next week or the week after doing a season a season preview with a, a special guest that I have in the work. So, you know, look out for that. But that's going to do it for this episode. Appreciate you guys for listening.